Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This morning, we are beginning a new sermon series together. And this year, we're going to be thinking about and living out what it means to go deeper as followers of Jesus. And today, we're going to be kicking off a short series together called People of the Word. And we're going to be exploring the topic of the authority of Scripture. Just a little topic to kick us off this academic year. And we're going to be using a passage from 2 Timothy. And by the term, the authority of Scripture, I mean the way that as Christians we relate to the Bible and the place that it has in our lives. So these next three Sundays, we're going to be thinking about uh, God's Word. So these next three Sunday mornings and the following three Sunday mornings, we're going to be spending time thinking about what it means for us to be a people of the Spirit. Two key values for us as a church, Word and spirit. But I want to begin this morning by telling you a short story, which may or may not be true, but it's, if it's not true, it's a very good story still. One of the greatest theologians of the 20th century was a Swiss man called Karl Barth. Has anyone heard of Karl Barth before? Very lots. That's good. It's impressive. So the story goes that in 1962, he was giving a lecture to a group of students at a university in Chicago. And during a time of Q&A, at the end of the lecture, he was asked by a student if he could summarize his whole theology in one line. Bearing in mind, he's probably one of the most prolific theologians, prolific writers of the 20th century. So it was a very tricky question. And he thinks about it, and he responds with this line from a hymn. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Such a good response. And if you remember nothing else from this morning, remember that. The authority of Scripture is about the understanding of what the Bible says about God and how we should live our lives in response to that. And this morning, I want us to know that the Bible is the highest authority that we have here on earth. That's what God's word is. God and how we understand all things is through God's word. We understand the love of God, the ways of God, what God says to us, and all of human life because of what the Bible says. And that's why he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Shall we pray? And then I'm going to read the passage to us. I'm going to use these words from Mark 9, verse 24, as we pray. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Amen. So we're going to read from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, starting at verse 14, and we're going to read through to chapter 4, verse 5. And this is a really full-on passage, so we won't have time to look at everything here. So I'm just going to pick out a few things that are going to help inform us and shape our understanding of the place of the Word of God in our lives. And remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, the young leader that he was discipling. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And, for, and, for, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in the view of his appearing and his kingdom. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So before we delve into this passage together, I want to just simply ask the question of why is this topic important? What is important for us about the authority of Scripture? And there are a number of, thing, number of things that I want us to think about. The first one, I'm just going to state the obvious, is because it's something that Christians don't agree on. They never have done and never will. Catholics and Protestants different in their understanding. The Catholics think that the church is a higher authority than the scripture, that the Pope's a higher authority. Uh, liberal Christians and evangelical Christians differ. Liberals will say that our experience as humans and our emotion, our thinking and science is a higher authority than the word of God. But I myself, as an evangelical Christian, strongly believe that the word of God, scripture, the Bible, is the highest authority we have here on earth and that the bible speaks above all other things and it's important for us to understand and to know what we believe about the word of god because it's something that has always been discussed and always been disagreed upon as i've said and all major disagreements in the church today fall down to this topic really and this topic alone there might be lots of other competing factors but the root of every single disagreement in the church is what authority does the Bible hold? People are often asking the question, is what the Bible says really important or do we as human beings know better or do we as the church know better? But the passage tells us why the authority of scripture is important for us and it goes on in a little bit, which I'll cover a bit later, on to say where its importance comes from but why it's important. Verse 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's important because the word of God plays its part in our salvation. It gives us the understanding for what Jesus has done for us upon the cross. And I love that term, wise for salvation because when you think of it there are so many stories aren't there of people just picking up the bible and turning to jesus actually reading the words of god and then turning to him in repentance and that's why it's important i think that we read the bible with those who don't yet believe because the bible tells us that it's the bible that makes us wise for salvation Opening up the scriptures with non-believers is really, really important. And that's one of the reasons why I love Alpha, because Alpha does that in a really subtle way. For me, though, most importantly, the authority of scripture is important because it's by the word of God, by God's word, that we truly get to know him. See, our understanding of scripture affects our understanding of God. 
because the primary way that God has chosen to reveal himself to his church, to humankind, to his people, is through his written word. That's the primary way God has chosen to speak to us and to reveal who he is today. So an example maybe of where, of this, goes, where this goes wrong. I know some Christians, some church leaders who disagree with the Old Testament and say, do you know what, it's not the word of God anymore. It's got, not got its place in the church. They don't read it and they won't teach from it. And I think that limits our understanding of who God is massively. They don't get to read the work of the creator God, see his power and strength in that. They don't get to see the sheer power of, the God, of what God did when he led Moses through the desert, parting the Red Sea. They don't get to see the hundreds of years of patience that God had with a fickle and wavering people. It's made God smaller. That's why our understanding of scripture is so important in informing our understanding of God, because if we discount two-thirds of the Bible, actually um, one of my Old Testament tutors used to say the Old Testament's the Bible and the New Testament's the add-on to it. But if we discount that, it affects who God is. See, our understanding of the authority of Scripture is so important. It affects the way we interpret what we read, and it affects our understanding of God. So where does this authority come from? We're going to look at verse 16. It's the classic verse that many of us all know. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. The Bible is a living book. It's alive with the breath of God. It's living and active, speaking to us today with the same breath that brought those words onto the page or onto the stone tablet or however it was written thousands of years ago. We know, don't we, that the Bible, though, was written by people. We think of Moses, David, Solomon, Isaiah, Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the list goes on. Each is written with their own style, their own characteristics, and their writing reflects much of what they've experienced. But they are not human words on the page in front of us. What we have here is not human words. It's God-breathed. See, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon each of those people and had supernatural influence upon what they wrote. Although physically written by human hands, this book that we hold in front of us was authored by God. It's the word of God. If you want a theological term for that, it's called verbal inspiration. See, it's God's words. Words from our perfect heavenly Father. And because of that, because these are God's words, these are words written by God or inspired and authored by him, our heavenly father, because we know who God is, we can say that the Bible then is infallible and it's inerrant. Everything God does, isn't it, is perfect and without error. So what do I mean by those two terms, infallible and inerrant? See, infallible means it's never wrong. God's word is never wrong. Nothing about it is wrong. It is always 100 percent true you see god cannot lie can he because the father of lies we know is satan and this book is inerrant it's free from error and again that means it's all true if it says jesus was raised from the dead on the third day that's what it means there is no other book in all of history that you'll be able to say these things about that it is infallible and inerrant this is unique I have heard some interesting counter-arguments 
about these, so I'm going to uh, share one with us. Uh, so while well, it says in Numbers 3.39, the total number of Levites counted at the Lord's command by Moses and Aaron, according to their clans, etc., etc., was 22,000. How? It wasn't going to be exactly that number, so it obviously is not without error, because if it's not 100% accurate in this case, what else could not be true about it? Well, my response to that statement is one I've heard so many times, actually, is have you ever heard of estimates? It's a really, really simple one, isn't it? The news recently reported 25 million people watched the Queen's funeral on TV. That's not untrue, is it? The meaning of that is still there. Numbers 339 is still true. And it might seem a trivial one, but it's just the way we understand what has been presented to us. Another one, what about the creation account? If the Bible is infallible and inerrant, what does that mean? Does that mean we all have to be seven-day creationists? Well, you might be pleased to hear that it doesn't. It's important that we understand the genre of what we are reading. See, God has chosen to write scripture in different ways. He's given us poetry, he's given us prophecy, he's given us history, and he's given us story. Genesis 1 to 11, I believe, and many scholars believe, is God's retelling of creation in a way that the primitive people who he first told it to would understand. It's still true that God created the earth out of nothing. It's still true that it was all divinely inspired. And it's still true that God was pleased with what he had made. See, when God told this story to the first people he spoke it to, they had no idea that there was 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour, and 60 seconds in a minute, did they? That's come down much later in history. See, for me, the reason why the Bible is our ultimate authority, the thing that we test everything to, the source of true wisdom, the guide for how we live, and the primary way we get to know God is because it's the very words of God, breathed into life by him, revealed by the Holy Spirit, perfect and without error. And that's why we've got to take it seriously, even when it says stuff that we don't like because it's written by a God with infinitely more wisdom than we as human beings will ever have. It's written by a God who's perfectly loving. Remember, we don't really understand love. God understands what love is. And God knows what's truly good for us. We don't as human beings. We might think we do, but it's God, the creator, who knows what is truly good for us. And because of that, that's why this passage tells us that scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, that's me, you, and all of us who know and love Jesus, will be equipped for every good work. See, there are lots of times in my life when I've had to come under the authority of God's word. And one that always sticks out in my mind, is really key for me, was my time as a student. Um, at that time, there were lots of parts of God's word I decided that were irrelevant for me. Some of it was through ignorance and some of it was through active choice. There were things around money, dating and use of alcohol. I did like a drink in that period. I didn't know the Bible as well as I should have. And that wasn't because of what I, the way I'd been brought up. It was because I'd chosen not to read it each and every day. But there were some really good and godly people around me. People who really loved God's word. People I still admire today for their love of God's word, God's word. And it's through them 
and their, instru- and their instruction to me, their rebuke, their training, that I came to understand the authority God's word has in my life. I suddenly realized how clear the Bible is about drinking. Ephesians 5.18 is very clear. Do not get drunk on wine. That means wine, beer, spirits, any kind of alcohol, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. So I stopped getting drunk. It's as easy as that. God's word is very, very clear. That actually helped my bank balance and enabled me to tithe as well. It had a secondary effect. I was able to come into God's authority that way as well. And since then, there's been a number of times where God has used me to share that understanding that I gained in that moment with others. I've had to preach on that passage in Ephesians so many times. A few very awkward situations, which I'll tell you about um, over coffee, maybe. See, there is power in God's words because it has life in them. It has his breath within them. And I'm consciously saying that there is life in them. You see, because there are some people who believe that God's revelation of himself, his breathing of life into those words was a one-time thing when they were written. But I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit continues to reveal God to us through his scriptures, that God is still breathing life into them today. Karl Barth, the theologian I mentioned at the very beginning, speaks of the word of God being about relationship with the reader because of this constant revelation of who God is. He says that revelation is divine presence. And thus when we're reading God's word, we are meeting with the word of God himself. We are meeting with Jesus because Jesus is the word. God's word has power. It's without error. It's never wrong. It makes us wise for salvation. And that's why we come under its authority. That's why if someone says to you something that doesn't fit with what the Bible says, we are to take no note of it. And the world is going to do that a lot. Culture is always going to fight against the word of God. And God's word, well, God's word tells us this. And we have this caution in this passage. In verse 3, it says, From time from the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. What I want us to say, what I want to say about this is I want us to be aware of that, be aware of that as a church, that there are things out there that are counter to God's word and people have itching ears to hear them. So I want to encourage you to keep testing what you hear against God's word. Keep asking yourself, where does that come in the Bible? Does that fit with what I've been taught in church on a Sunday? One way um, I think the people steer away from scripture is to say, is to ask the question of, um, which says, that bit surely doesn't fit with who God is. How can a loving God say that or ask us to live like that? How can the God of the Bible say that? But remember, God breathed the words into scripture. He breathed them into being. It's through his word that we get to know who God is and know about him. So test everything to his word. Because the God of the Bible we read about is the God who breathes those words into life. Just before this warning... We have a part of our response. There's lots of response there, isn't there? To read God's word, to sit under the authority of it. There's a particular response here in verse 2. 
where Paul says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. We're all called to share the word of God with others. Now, what I don't think Paul had in mind here for Timothy is what we're doing this morning, standing at the front of a church and preaching like this, because there wasn't churches like this in them time that day. The church was in the home. They were meeting in synagogues. Crowds gathered in the streets. The thing here for us is to be prepared to share the word of God wherever we go and to whatever God calls us to teach others who don't yet know Jesus what the words of, God, of this Bible say. What are these words for those people? What does it say about God? And what does it say about man? Start that in your homes. If you've got kids, read the Bible with your kids. Read the Bible with your spouse. Read the Bible with flatmates, housemates, whoever you're with. Read the Bible with friends. Encourage people in your workplace with words of scripture. If someone says they're feeling down, quote a line of a psalm, give them some encouragement from it. To do it all with patience and with care. And that's a little tiny little thing on the end, isn't it? With patience and with care that we read about. But that is really, really key. We're not to come at this as pin know it alls, as people who are proud, but to come at it with patience and with care. So I just want to finish by reminding us, you know, the word of God is so, so powerful. It has power to change people's lives. It has power to change your life. You might think that your life is completely changed, but God is always doing that work of sanctification within us. So I want to encourage us. Let's take this book really seriously as a church. Let's read it daily. Let's sit under it. Let's learn from it. And let's allow it to take us closer to who Jesus is, to spend time with him, that divine presence. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word, for the way that you've chosen to reveal yourself to us through it. Lord, and as we this year go deeper into what it means to be followers of Jesus as a church. Lord, take us deeper into your word. Lord, equip us to be prepared in and out of season. Lord, may we know you better as we sit under what your Bible says, what your word says. May we grow in confidence. May we grow in confidence to share our faith with others as we see more of who you are as we read this book together. So Lord, we pray your blessing upon us. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. Amen.